So I've been talking last month about dependent origination, dependent arising. Paticca samuppada means something like the steps of how things um, arise, support each other, the dependencies of conditions. And also to bear in mind, this is a liberation teaching, so it's also how you know, the dukkha arises, but also how the causes of conditions that then bring around an ending to dukkha. <laughs> how, the, how the mind gets tangled and also how it gets untangled. <laughs> yeah. mm. And so to bear in, bear in mind, uh, you know, one, one significant word that isn't occur in this sequence of Avijja Pachya Sankara Sankara Pachya Vinyana Vinyana Pachya Namarupa Namarupa Pachya Sarayatanam and so forth. One word that doesn't occur in there happens to be perhaps one of the most important words in Buddhism is chitta. <laughs> so where's that? <laughs> well, we can say uh, this is all occurring in chitta. <laughs> All this is happening. Where does all this stuff happen? It's happening in the realm of chitta, in the realm of heart, in the realm of spirit, mind, you know, uh, knowingness. And through, and so the Buddha says, through certain uh, blind spots, um, occlusive tendencies, occlusions, blind spots, not being in touch, jitta nodding off, jitta getting hoodwinked, jitta being confused because of this ignorance. Then what happens is these formative tendencies, sankharas, are, are fed by that ignorance. And this is the formative tendencies start taking over. They start shaping and pushing and formulating. And what they formulate is the experience of a stream of sensory data called consciousness, vijnana. So, um, the consciousness here means really this this stream of of thoughts, sights, sounds, impressions popping along that we is so uh, saturated that we can't imagine how that could not be there. And how could if we're not there? If that's not happening, we must be dead, surely, or or oblivious, but the Buddha is saying, no, with a cessation of consciousness, um, there is Nibbana. What he's saying, actually, very simply speaking, whatever dukkha manifests, it all depends on consciousness. Um, with a cessation of consciousness, there's no manifestation of dukkha. This is uh, Sutta Nipata 734, very Sutta Nipata 734, if you'd like to look at that. That's a very simple absolutely cryptic straight no ambiguities <laughs> that but you're thinking cessation of consciousness well, what's that mean well <laughs> it's really the the ending of these formative sankharas that are gripping and shaping our experience into the sensory being saturated by sensory data which includes sights, sounds, touches, sights, sounds, smells, tastes, touches, and conceit, concepts, thoughts, symbols. The six 
six streams or six folds, the sixfold consciousness. Okay. So this is coming in. So this is coming in. So this is the world. This is the real world. This is where I'm at. I'm in this stream. I'm in this world, this stream of consciousness. And we're saying, well, that's the way you experience. You can be born in this stream. You are born in this stream. But there's a way into the Dhamma stream. When you come into the Dhamma stream, you're a stream enterer. And you're moving out of this stream of consciousness as that which you're identified with, that which you take as your home, that which you so seek purpose in. Mm. So now you can also, so just this meditation exercise where you can contemplate certain fundamental sankharas. So sankharas, formative conditions, um, oh, what does this mean? Yeah. Actually, there are um, there are three bases. There's the body sankara, bodily sankara. There's the heart or jitta sankara, and there's a verbal sankara. This means, uh, say, bodily sankara conditions. Say, the experience of body most of us have is of something that's breathing in and out. Is that's my body? That 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 sense of that. That's that. Yeah. So that's what keeps it going. That's what keeps it alive. That, that's my body. But actually, that's a condition occurring, isn't it? Yeah. You know, what is it when you end your out breath before your in breath begins? Do you have a body? Yeah, you do. But this is the conditioning force, is this uh, quality of breathing and energy moving around. And then it gets excited, stimulated, calmed, agitated, can be refined, it can be speedy, and it's very much linked to our emotional states. So when, the, when there's a sense of dukkha and suffering, then often the breath flow is somewhat clogged or blocked or not calm and steady. Quite so often... Very simple meditation is just to steady and calm yourself with breathing. This will affect chitta sankara, which is the emotional heart tendencies. And vajji sankara is the uh, energies that bring around concepts and ideas. So thing pops up. And what they rest upon are these two properties, particular properties. One is attention. Attention is a sankara. This means within all the field of what can be felt or sensed or conceived or imagined, selective medium of attention focuses on a particular object. What I've got to do today, it attends to that. Um, what that thing's called, it attends to that. Uh, whether, that's, whether that fruit is ripe or not, it tends to take a particular object. Why? Because of another factor called intention. I want something that's agreeable, suitable, or even more subtly, something that's in my field of concern. In my field of concern. So, for example, today, 
Uh, earlier today, I was showing some walking with some people around our forest, uh, Hammerwood. Hammerwood is full of trees, moss, uh, fungi, bird life. So thousands and thousands of living creatures in there. So I'm walking around, I'm noticing, oh, oh there's the invasive weeds are coming in there. Oh, oh, that tree doesn't look well. That tree looks very sick. Looking around, oh, that tree that we planted last year has died. So I look at the forest as a manager. You see, so I notice all the things that have gone wrong, or things that look sick, things I've got to be careful of, things I've got to make a note of. So my attention is led by the intention to look after this forest piece of woodland. People are walking around going, oh, well, look at that. What's that? Lovely, you know, trees. You know. That, no, that's not a tree. That's a deadly, poisonous problem. <laughs> they didn't see it. You know, they're looking at the same thing. That's a weed. <laughs> that's, that's taking over. It's invasive species. But it's pretty. <laughs> they see something pretty. I see some invasive species that's taking over our, our land. So that's why the intention, that which fits within um, our, 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 occupa our field of concern. And you notice, say, within that, in that example, then my identity is formed. I am then the manager. This is my woodland. It isn't mine particularly, but I've been living in this place for 45 years or so. So as a sense, I've been looking after this. I'm concerned for it. So in some sense, this is about, this is mine. What does a me gets created from that, right? So then I notice what I notice, which is what the manager notices, right? So if it's in, again, if you live with a group of monks and lay people coming, they see these people sitting in brown, very nice, serene, peaceful, so and so, and I'm thinking, oh, he's a problem. Oh, he's definitely he's going through some struggling uh, I don't know, he's, you know, I've got all the details if I'm supervising them. <laughs> so I see my world, and they see their world, and we're all seeing different worlds, right? We're all seeing different worlds, and none of them are ultimately true. They're all dependently arisen on my intentions, my attention, and my consciousness. Intentions and intentions have directed my experience of consciousness to pick up and focus on and be stimulated by and internalize certain qualities in that field. Sitting in the hall, I probably don't notice the timbers, the beams, the woodwork, or the space, or the but I might notice, oh, so and so, so I haven't seen her for a while. This devotee has turned up. You know, so this happening, I've noticed that. Yeah. So consciousness then is is biased. And what it what its fundamental program is, is to present a world that fits your preoccupations. So you get what you want, but you don't you don't get what you desire, what you wish to have. What you get confirms your current identity experience. Right? You see the things that are concerning you. You hear the things that concern you. You 
don't notice the things you're not interested in, right? So your conscious, you know, so this is how Sankara's condition consciousness. They actually moderate and intensify the stream of data that is jumping into your awareness. And because of the nature of intention, intention then is driven by something we call tanha, thirst, craving. An irrational, irrational reflex to seek for finality, uh, comfort, security, to seek for an identity that will stand up. We seek somehow to persist, to continue. Something is, I am this, I was this, I better do this, I will be that. So I focus on those mental objects that tells me what I was, what I am, and what I could be. Yeah. So if we're in our job, we're at work or something like that, and I'm remembering the data that's relevant to that particular job so that I can get it done so that it will continue into the future. And I will be able to manage that. Yeah. This is called the tanha becoming. Something seeks to focus on and find particular objects that will continue to reify it, confirm my concerns and confirm my identity and keep it going. Mm. So this is why people worry. Why worry is such an such a significant feature for people. Because the future is unknowable. And yet there's this craving to make it known, to make it steady, to make it secure. Mm. Right? So we get the insurance policy, we get the medical, we get that, we get the house, we get the property. Da, 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 da. So therefore, I will be able to persist. And so our attention is then looking at these key factors. All sounds reasonable enough. But of course, it doesn't work. We never know where things are going to crash, break down, currency fails, sickness takes over. You can't, you can't know. Yeah. And you can't, yeah, and it's all, so is that. So it breaks down. And yet the habit is to keep making sure that that, that is continued. So we accumulate more and more pieces of information to make, build it up, more and more pieces of information, more and more ticking that box, that box, got that, got that, got that, got that. Have I done that? Have I made sure that my locks on my house are okay? Have I checked in with the neighbours? Have I made sure there's no insects penetrating my basement? Have I checked the roof? Mm. You know, have I checked my body? Have I checked my mental states? Have I, you know, how much do you have? So you just find with worry, you can get an endless list of things that you have to get right. 
Mm-hmm. So this habit to accumulate more and more objects of attention. Now we can also find the same sort of thing that happen in meditation. Uh, am, I get, am I getting it right? How many factors do I need? Do I have the seven factors of enlightenment? Do I have the five indriya? Have I developed the four jhanas? But in some traditions, they don't bother with that. They just say bare insight is necessary. But then you have to have the ninefold insights, the nine realizations. Have I got those? More and more data. More and more data. And we get data hungry. We get hungry for more and more data. So maybe this school of Buddhism missed something out. Let's try another one. Let's go into Dzogchen or let's go into you know, you know long te- training or let's go into some aspect of Chan or Dendai or whatever. And there's a vast field of potential objects that we can study to become more and more sure that we know everything possible about Buddha Dhamma. And there's still something we don't know. You know, you can look, look in physics, say all these amazing discoveries in physics, you know, various incredible experiments, look at particles, subcarticles, neutrinos, quarks, bosons, and so forth. And they got to the point where they're saying, we don't know. Because with quantum, every time you try and know something, the act of trying to know something affects what you're, what you're knowing. So there's no observation. There's only participation. And the quality of consciousness affects what you're conscious of. The quality of consciousness affects whether you experience, whether the physicist will see a wave or a particle in, a, in, a, in an experiment. The fact of observing it changes what we're observing. I'm saying this is mind blowing, and I'm saying, well, the Buddha did say this two thousand five hundred years ago, <laughs> and you didn't. We didn't get it. That's a nice idea. Next, and so you say, well, you know, the Buddha said you get to the point. Is nibbana this or that? Is there awareness? You say, well, the Buddha said you can't. You can't. You, you can't go that far. You can't know that. You can't know. You can't have an, any idea or concept that will define Nibbana, apart from it's peaceful. Okay, that's interesting. But is Nibbana, what is it? When you die, do you have Nibbana? Or, you can't know. Hmm. But does it mean there's some kind of subtle level of existence that occurs in Nibbana? You can't know. Does the mind exist or not? You can't know. Is the Arahant's Nibbana the same as the Buddha's Nibbana? You can't, you can't know. Where does the mind go when it goes out? You can't know. I mean, I want to. <laughs> if I don't know, I don't feel secure. Well, that's the problem. Your security is dependent upon knowing something. That's dependency of consciousness. You're dependent upon an act of mental consciousness to give you a reality, and it can't do it.
right? So we look at a phrase like you know, when there's a uh, when it's with consciousness, whatever dukkha manifests manifests dependent on consciousness, and whatever when consciousness ceases, there's no dukkha. It's saying when that mental craving to know, to fix, to be secure, to establish, to know what I am, to know my true self, to know what happens when I die, to know whether I can become a Buddha or just an arahant or nothing. When that, when it says, you, if that ceases, all that struggle, turmoil, worry, anxiety, and creation of self, and creation of a fixed world, and creation of another world, creation of a world beyond this one, all that can cease. And in ceasing, what you realize is all that was just dukkha. It was just the mind dukkha. And the, the dependent origination goes one step further, saying, well, if you look into the way that what consciousness will do when it's stimulated in this way by intent, attention and intention, by craving and becoming, is this quote, nama rupa. Now, what does that mean? It means what, what we experience is mental forms, visual forms, tactile forms, auditory forms, gustatory forms, olfactory forms, we experience these forms and we experience a kind of a a describing of them well that's interesting that's that's useless that's exciting i don't see the point of that don't under, understand what is nama is designating and categorizing and classifying what we experience so you get these immense classifications of experience and in this fascination with doing that you get what's called a puncture suddenly the world becomes extremely a, a, a cascade of possibilities is it this or is it that could be this we could do that and then we could do this so you get this cascade of mental possibilities of what I could be, should be, then maybe that, but then the other hand, this, that, you know, you get a kind of like a, like a rabbit in a field of lettuce running around, which one shall I bite? Or maybe I should try, try some beetroot instead, just rushing around, this, that, this, that, this, that. And it's creating more and more ideas. Yeah. So this can happen when we, I mean, sometimes we get a, you know, we have a little bit of a dialogue and somebody starts talking about, you know, is Buddha nature this or that? What's the nature of selflessness or awareness? And then it starts cascading into, is there anybody here or nothing here or something here or half something here or maybe something not here or we not self or half a self? Or, this is the mind just starts generating more and more concepts and ideas to be stimulated by in its craving to get everything nailed down and known. Yeah, it's like a squirrel picking up acorns, thousands of acorns, and burying them, and forgetting where they are, <laughs> which happens every year here. 
this goes rushing around. Running around. I think that's called that's the mind. Squirrel mind. To make sure that it's got enough food for the winter, but then it doesn't know where it's buried the things. It forgets because it's too busy rushing after the next thing. Mental proliferation. And then in this mental proliferation, the cascading of all these pieces of information and possibilities that are steeped in worry and anxiety and craving to find the best one, a sense of awareness becomes so saturated with all this data that things start to collapse. And the sense of firm attention dissolves and we're just into the melee, into the white water of the mind surging and cascading around its topics of concern, interest, and possibility. Yeah. Dukkha. Or Vichapachiya Sankara Sankara Pachiya Vinyana Vinyana Pachiya Nama Rupa. What's the primary ignorance then? It's really the ignorance that doesn't understand that the implications of the Four Noble Truths are that all conditions arise, pass, and are not to be grasped at. All conditions arise and pass are not to be grasped at and not to be created an identity out of. And there's a very powerful force called Tanha, which is actually providing the energy to do exactly that, to keep grasping at conditions to keep building up an identity, to keep building up a future, to keep worrying about a past. Yeah? That's, these are the first two noble truths, right? First noble truth, grasping the five aggregates, the identity experience. Yeah? And then what, what's that based upon? Craving the second noble truth, craving for sensuality, craving to become something, craving to get away from one's identity to be have another one and that's generating this grasping at perceptions feelings and so forth and consciousness now if that not realized that's exactly what happens these sankaras arise that generate uh proliferation of forms, ideas, feelings, and so so that overload the chitta. The chitta is sinking, capsized in its flood of information, all of them having emotional resonance because all of them are based on what concerns me, right? Everything that comes in is about what concerns me. So there's a certain emotional bias in that. So this makes our lives very intense. Now, on top of this, <laughs> you have to bear in mind, a very simple thing that we bear in mind, and notice how this, how our whole culture and society moves towards saturation in data. Most people, I would suggest, are suffering from data overload, attention overload. I was in London last weekend, I taught a very nice weekend retreat then after i had a little bit of time afterwards i just went for a walk i was noticing everything 
There's not a surface that doesn't have words written on it. There's not a bus that doesn't have words written on it. And all those words are saying, buy me, get this, don't do this. This is exciting. This is interesting. This is frightening. All these words are warning me of something or directing me. And it's got this constant deluge of words and shop windows with things to attract the eye and people walking along with clothes that actually attract attention. So, you know, <laughs> overload. I don't need to know all that. I don't need to know the movies, the, the perfumes. I don't need to know. I don't need to, but I'm getting all this stuff is coming in. I've got attention overload. And so then what's happening is that your awareness is becoming saturated. So, you know, fortunately, you know, one has the training as a bhikkhu to walk with the faculties restrained. You don't look at things. You don't, not in your concern. I don't bother looking shop windows. I've got no money. I'm not going to buy anything. I don't look in shop windows. I need to look at the buses to know whether it's going to knock me down or not. I don't need to look at other people, just enough to know I'm not going to walk into them. So you've got a sense of really filtering what your attention will actually pick up. And that's it still takes a lot of training because, of course, some things, the traffic and so forth, you have to have attention on, you know, traffic lights. So it's a sense of what's called yoni somnisikara, wise attention or full attention, is just know what you need to have, the something surveying the field of attention. What do you need to know for this moment? And then how to let it go. I need to know that bus for this moment because it's coming towards me. After it's passed, drop it, forget it. Yeah. Let it go. I need to know this for this time and then forget it, drop it. So you're exercising the flexing attention. So you're, and the, you're using the fundamental basis of I'm not really in my eyes, I'm in my body. I'm feeling like I'm standing, I'm walking in with a, in like in a balloon. So my body is present. I can see what I need to see and I can also filter out what I don't need to see. That means awareness is kept agile, cool in the midst of the world. Yeah. And of course, this is, you know, in one of the some Mangala Sutta, it says, you know, putasa loka dhammi, dhammi. Even while walking in the world, one's jitter is not stained or saturated. And this is what he's referring to, that sense of sense restraint and recognizing what is my business. It's not in the shop. It's not in the store. It's not. It's to maintain sati and to maintain steadiness and to maintain calm, to maintain presence. To make, Then that acts as a kind of a protection so that this avijja pachaya sankara Vijnana Namarupa thing doesn't start taking over. <laughs> yeah. And of course, when you 
consider things in that light, you know, so, okay, so you're coming home, you're sitting at home. Okay, well, it's so much of what you need, on t- you don't need to know, you don't need to see what's on television. Like the 600 channels, probably 98% of it is useless. I mean, you know, like, and what do you need to know? So the other factor is that if sense consciousness takes over the chitta, what you don't know is ethical clarity. You don't know loving kindness. You know it as an idea, but you're not experiencing it. You're not experiencing balance. You're not experiencing dispassion. So these very, very significant jitter qualities, balance, steadiness, lightness, dispassion, ease, joy, ethical sensitivity become obscured by the saturation, saturating deluge of consciousness. Now, if that consciousness is stopped, if all that mental input is seen as distracting, is seen as as not something you want to get fascinated by. So there's a this is what we mean by cessation is I'm not buying into, I'm not fascinated by the objects of sense consciousness. Now, when we cultivate that significantly in terms of mental consciousness, right? Now, visual consciousness is going to keep there. We need that, right, to walk around. How much stuff do you have to go have going on in your mind? When you walk up and down, how much of an identity do you need to walk up and down? I don't think you need any identity to walk up and down. <laughs> and if you, that's called walking meditation, <laughs> just to walk up and down without creating identity out of it. And you think, hey, this is really nice. <laughs> I don't have to worry how good I am, how well I'm going to do about it, whether this will take me to Nibbana, whether I'm a stream enterer, whether this is the right set. I don't need to know that. I just need to know as walking as the end of mental proliferation the mind consciousness the mental consciousness is this passion is beginning to ceasing from the most important thing dukkha a dukkha that we don't necessarily really fully sense because it's buried underneath the sense of creating an identity. You know, I've got to be worried because, I've got to make sure that happens because, I've got to get this done because, I've got to plan the future because, I've got to keep remembering things because. Because what? Well, because I have, but why? Because I, I, I need to, you know? Can you stop for 10 minutes (laughs) creating the world of the future? Just 10 minutes. Do you think the world will cease completely without you thinking about it for 10 minutes? I think what will cease will be the world of your proliferations. 
And that could mean that something more more real is allowed to arise. Uh, with the cessation of dukkha, there's the arising from that space arises that is intelligent, sensitive, bright, mindful, joyful, clear. That arises. That was buried underneath all this stuff. Hmm? Dependent arising, dependent ceasing. With the ceasing of that, there's the arising of this. With the ceasing of the dukkha, there's the manifestation of the factors of awakening. They, they, they reveal themselves. They're not something you have to create or even remember. They, they begin to you begin to feel those because that's happening in citta. All this is happening in citta. Dukkha arises in citta. Dukkha ceases in citta. Right? The citta that is not dukkha realizes nibbana. Mm. So, and you can get down just this very pragmatic thing: attention. What do you what do you give attention to? And when you do, what, what's the effect? What's the effect? Not just on visual, but the things you occupy your mind with. And what's the motivation behind that? I mean, probably oh, it's important. Other people need it. Uh, I should get this done because. Just, just pause on some of those messages. How many of them are actually real? And how much of them are just your identity creating its own importance? Your, your identification experience is justifying itself. You know? And as they say, you know, if you take a glass of water, or of water, and you put your finger in it, you know, you see that, oh, that ripple, and you take your finger out, and you see the ripple, then it stops. Okay. That's what happens to the world when you leave it. There's a ripple, and then it stops. You're completely forgotten. <laughs> the world continues. <laughs> You're just a ripple. <laughs> and the ripple is saying, this ocean depends on me <laughs> to keep it going. <laughs> well, <laughs> just just cool some of that a little bit and say, I wish to make a I wish to make a helpful, joyful participation in conditions. You know, I wish to bring forth skillful cultivations in the condition well, that's beautiful that's lovely don't take it too seriously make make it happy so you're not bringing this dukkha into into intentions that are good but just need that moderating so um i'll pause there for today thank you for your attention